Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, October 13th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com or via Instagram, Twitter, or SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either on poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Alice Brown, with whom I will be discussing her poem, Friends of Youth, and my poem, Gifts. Before we do that, however, I am going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of October 14th. On Monday, October 14th, from 6 to 7.45 p.m., Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting their monthly Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion at IHOP at the corner of 90th Street and Mountain View in Scottsdale. From 6.30 to 8.30 p.m., Patty will be hosting her monthly Poetry Roundtable Workshop at Changing Hands Bookstore Tempe, which is at 6428 South McClintock Drive. On Tuesday, October 15th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. On Wednesday, October 16th, from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m., Solar Powered Babe will be hosting Linda King's book signing at Lola Coffee, which is at 1001 North 3rd Avenue in Phoenix. Wednesday is also the last day to sign up for this month's Pocket to Me, which you can do by emailing info at palabrasbookstore.com. Again, that's info at palabrasbookstore.com. Palabras is spelled P-A-L-A-B-R-A-S. On Thursday, October 17th, from 6 to 9 p.m., Fatso's Pizza will be hosting its weekly open mic night at 3131 East Thunderbird Road in Phoenix. From 6 to 7.30 p.m., Black Poetry 365 will be hosting their National Black Poetry Day Arizona Celebration at the Tempe Center for the Arts, which is at 700 West Rio Salado Parkway in Tempe. From 7 to 9 p.m., Long Known Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at The Lost Leaf, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix. Be sure to get there by 6.50 to participate. From 7.30 to 9 p.m., District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jarrah's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quentin Oni will be hosting his weekly open mic at Joba Coffee and Bar at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7.30. From 9.45 p.m., Atlas St. Cloud will be hosting his weekly poetry writing workshop at Welcome Diner, which is at 929 East Pierce Street in Phoenix. 
On Saturday, October 19th, from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m., the East Valley Poets will be hosting their monthly short program and open reading at the Tempe Pile Center at 655 East Southern Avenue in Tempe. From 6.30 to 9 p.m., Palabras Bilingual Bookstore will be hosting its monthly Pocket to Me at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. Again, the last day to sign up for that is on Wednesday, October 16th. On Sunday, October 20th, from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., Downtown Phoenix Inc. Steady Glow Digital Wasted Ink Zine Distro and Lunchbox Prints will be sponsoring the 2019 Phoenix Zine Fest at the Unexpected Gallery, which is at 734 West Polk Street in Phoenix. From 6 to 10 p.m., I am Root and Afro Art Company will be hosting their Refresh, Paint, and Sip with Christiani Hunter, a music and poetry showcase at Adventurous Stills, which is at 2125 East 5th Street, Suite 102 in Tempe. You can get a 10% discount on the general admissions ticket by typing in Poets and Muses at IamRoot.com. Code.com. That discount code again is Poets and Muses, just as it appears on the Poets and Muses logo. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week, Alice Brown. Hi, Alice. Thank you for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, Imogene. It's so nice to meet you again. Yes, I'm here. You brought with you friends of youth. Before we get into that poem, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am a closet writer <laughs> like a lot of a lot of people mm-hmm. and I've just been pulling out some of my my writings from the 90s and mm-hmm. rewriting them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, been downloading a bunch of poems that were like instantaneous you have to write them as in you have to pull the car over and write that line down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's what this poem is too right. this is one of those ones where I had to pull over and start writing down the images because they were just pouring out and needed to be captured. Mm -hmm. But I am a semi-retired legal secretary, Mm -hmm. and uh, I am actually stopped working in August so that I didn't have to have anyone else's words in my ears. (laughs) (laughs) And and it really has made a difference. I'm just carving myself out. Yeah, yeah, because uh, when you're busy or when you're bombarded with other people's thoughts, it's hard to kind of hear yourself through that. Yeah, and having other people's to-do lists and not ever getting to your own, so. Yeah, exactly. When did you go into poetry, or what made you decide to go into it? Poetry has just been something natural. I wrote my first poems when I was like 11, Mm. and my mom had brought me to a uh, community college class that was for anyone to take for, you know, poetry. I'd never written poetry before, Mm -hmm. but I sat down as an 11-year-old, and I don't know how they taught it to us, but mm-hmm. I, I cranked out two poems that day, and I Great. I still remember them. One was about a lighthouse, mm-hmm. and the other one was about a horse. Mm. And it's kind of interesting because those two images have been in my entire life. Oh, really? Yeah, the horse that wants to be free and run, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the lighthouse that's protecting everyone mm. from crashing on the shore. Wow. Are, are so, they from your past? I mean... 
I'm talking about 11-year-old past here, but or is that something just purely out of your imagination? That came completely out of my imagination, but yeah. those two images have lasted. I mean, I'm 57 now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I you know, pulled out these two poems, and they're still relevant. Mm-hmm. They're the two parts of me that you know, battle, the one that wants to be free and the one that wants to be secure. Right, right, right. Well, it also seems like responsibility in being responsible to others, right? Right, and just wanting to, you know, run with your free heart. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, I have a horse poem. I don't know if you listened to the episode with Amber McCrary. That's the one where I was talking about horses. And then there's another episode with Tristan Marshall, who talks about horses as well. So very different imageries on horses. Yeah. I think at 11, I just was really into horses, Mm -hmm, too. mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I was reading all the Misty of Chincoteague and all those books, Brighty of Grand Canyon and, (laughs) you know, all these horse books. Mm. And I hear there are wild horses up north in Arizona. Not north. They're right here. They're like Salt River. Oh, really? Wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know they were that close. Yeah, they're very close. Something I gotta go see, I guess. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see horses in their wild yeah. environment. Yeah, must be amazing. Well, there's a lot of protectors that keep them. That's good. You know, that keep them alive and make sure that they remain free. Right, right. I gotta look them up. Thank you for reminding me of that. And I was wondering if you wanted to read the poem first, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, I thought I should give an intro because sure, we're in Arizona. Sure. sure. So I have to, to allow people to know that this is really a poem that's about my childhood slash adolescence slash young adulthood mm-hmm. in the western suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. So we're talking about tons of green and trees and grassy lawns and 100% humidity, <laughs> mosquitoes, you know, so that... You kind of have to realize it's a different environment. That right. Some of these images that I'm pulling in, you couldn't do in Arizona. It would be mm. like cactus and rocks. <laughs> so <laughs> it wouldn't be as much fun. Yeah, yeah. I feel like there are pockets where it's very leafy and green because it's purposely done. And there are definitely like apartment complexes or parks that are exceptionally green. But the rest of it tends to be more dusty, like... Uh, Tan is a good color description yeah. for the environs around yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, it's yeah. like rock. Lots yeah. of rock. I, I tell people from Illinois that ask about Arizona. Right. I just say, it's all beach, no ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's from a good amount of shrubbery. It really depends. I'm actually, I, I love it because I'm also from the Northeast. I'm, well, you're, you're more middle of the country than I am. But, yeah, we're both from cold climes. I'm from New York. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely very, very different. And it's also much more open. Right? Yes, yeah. I mean, and you never get asked about aliens in New York <laughs> or Chicago. <laughs> well, in New York, you, you do get asked about aliens, different kinds of aliens. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I understand what you're alluding to there. Yeah. 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 But, um, yeah but not the space kind. No, not the space kind. Though there are plenty of Hollywood movies that loves to destroy New York as part of its, you know, setup, basically. Absolutely. So. <laughs> Got to go for the big ones. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. There, there's no point in having an alien invasion if it's just in the middle of nowhere, right? Exactly. <laughs> Population 1,000. Right, right. <laughs> so, 
Do you think we will have a better idea now? Uh, yes, yeah? absolutely. Okay. Okay. Friends of youth, we all need people in our lives who recall us supple and shiny, unreasonable in our optimism, emotions transient and contrary, opinions many, passions short-lived, sisters so close our cycles ebbed and flowed together with the full moon and the tides, who recall fireflies in backyards, mosquito bites of lawn sex, who bared to us a hickey on their neck, who spun in circles to invisible songs, did cartwheels, and dared to skinny dip, sat on car hoods and kissed boys with abandon. We all need people in our lives who recall us glorious in unreasoned anger and tang of spite, adding lines to witty breakup notes, handwritten and tightly folded, we all need people in our lives who recall us wild, not tame, not quiet, or still. Thank you. Did you rewrite it since I last heard you read it? Or is this... No, I, that was the first time I ever read okay. one of my poems out loud. Right. So it was hard to... Oh, okay. And okay. I was, yeah, and I was like looking at my phone without my glasses. Oh, that's always hard. Yeah, so I impromptu stood up because I was there with my boss, and he mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to go do something. I'm like, okay, sign me up for a poem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a lovely, lovely poem. It's so nostalgic. It's so just make you kind of feel warm. I feel like I need a cup of cocoa right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, or if you're like a, a fudgesicle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. So nice. I was trying to pull all of these images because I had all these friends from high school friend me on Facebook. Mm. And and in truth, they weren't my friends in high school. (laughs) I was completely pretty much invisible. Uh But, you know, I was like, hey, it's never too late to go to high school. Right, right. So right. I was like, they want to friend me. I just started adding them, and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so now I have this whole collection of people I grew up with. Wow, you know, in this small town, mm-hmm. and I wanted to capture that time mm-hmm. and, and how it felt to just be this young person. You know, like just like I said, like shiny and supple and mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. new and just intense. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. living so intensely. You know, versus being a legal secretary tied to a computer, phone in my ear, right. or a transcription in my ear, which right. is even worse. Yeah. yeah. And and just not passionate about anything anymore. Mm. Just not, mm. you know, I'm lucky I'm not in that same space. That's you know, good. Because I left it. Yeah. And I do have passions again. Right. But they're not as unreasonable as when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think there there is a sense of abandon, right? That kind of longing for that, of just wanting to just go free. Like you said, the horses, without yeah, the horses. Yeah, you know, without a <laughs> rain, without a plan. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. we really, I mean, when we were younger, we didn't have a plan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we had no plot. We had no plan. We just were. Mm-hmm, yeah. And things would occur, and we would feel into them, and mm-hmm. and we'd express whatever you know, because we didn't understand consequences. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. And if we did, we wouldn't have cared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a lot of innocence, reminiscence of that innocence, of that exploration. 
Yeah, truly. And, you know, in a way that the poem to me is very personal, but it's Mm -hmm. also not because Mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't alone in having these remembrances. Right. right, I kind of knew I was in a group of a lot of people Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. had similar ones. Yeah, yeah. I did post this on Facebook when I originally wrote it, Mm -hmm. and my best friend from high school recognized herself immediately in some of the lines. Wow, that's She's like, you're talking about me in there, aren't you? And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-huh. What did she say? What did she say about them? Oh, she just just enjoyed it, you know, Mm -hmm. because it is fun to have these kinds of shared memories with people. Yeah. And it really has been important for me. I have a girlfriend that I've known since I was 14 years old Mm -hmm. and another girlfriend the same age. But I have people that have known me since I was in first grade. Mm. And, you know, that sense of being known, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. that you don't get when you meet people. You know, like you have to catch them up. Yeah, yeah. And also the older we get, the more barricades we put up. Right, and it's like, how far back do you really want to know me, you know, uh-huh. that person or this person? Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. It just feels like there was a ease to it before, right? You don't necessarily feel like you have to consciously put yourself out there. Well, I know one thing I didn't do when I was younger was edit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we do, like in our own mind, before even our open our mouths now, we edit it to yeah. just come out a certain way yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever. I know as a young person, I didn't filter, I didn't edit, I just was. Right. You know, and some of that I love. I love actually people that are awkward Mm. and just say whatever. Yeah. You know, because sometimes they say the most incredible things, (laughs) you know, like real gems. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it's like nobody else in the world would have said that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or thought that way. Yeah. Well, in a way, poetry is like that, isn't it? Yeah, poetry. Yeah, because a lot of it comes from, is our subterranean below the filter. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, this is all the stuff you don't know about me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. You know, or here's these really amazing stories that I don't really want to tell anyone but this piece of paper. Mm Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, goes there. Yeah. And I find that the best poems, though, are the ones that, take you like I said this one I had to pull over mm-hmm. and I only had like a napkin to write on and I'm like really? writing wow. these lines with a napkin because it was insisting on being heard mm. you know like I have to write this now because I know me I'm gonna forget it I'll think I'll remember <laughs> it I'll get to work and then I'm working and I've forgotten the poem right right and yeah. then it'll be a different version that comes out like the edited version right you know something that was cleaner and not as real yeah. You know, as yeah. the emotion of whatever needed to be expressed. Right, right. And I see in your notebook you have a date. Uh, is that November 2016? Is that when you wrote Yeah, it? that's when I did write this. Okay. And, yeah, yeah, it was interesting because it was midway between a, a class reunion I went to that was like a 35th year reunion mm-hmm. to your high school, if you can imagine <laughs> what that would be like. Mm-hmm. And now we're having one this year, which is the 40th. Mm. But it was like I was just sort of integrating my relationships with these people because people then started coming into Arizona and they looked me up, you know, let's get together, you know, right, for my right, high school. Right. And so it's it's been kind of, you know, it was an interesting journey and to be reminded of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I wrote this mm. one. The reason I like this poem a lot is because it's positive. 
Mm-hmm. And I can truly say that my history of writing poems mm-hmm. is that I had three really positive ones at the beginning, like when I'm like 11 and 12. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And then everything was dark. <laughs> and just bleh. Right, know? right. Just like what was going on in my family or, you know, whatever. Right. And so I actually stopped writing in the 90s because I couldn't pull a positive poem out of me. Wow. Uh, everything that came out was just like really deep and, you know, heavy, deep and real is what I would call it. Right, them. right, right. Yeah. We kind of talked about this before we're starting to record that, you know, it's, it's very, um, it's almost like exorcism, um, catharsis yeah very much so so yeah uh, do you stop yourself now if you feel something negative is coming out no no I, I interestingly connected with a writer friend mm-hmm. and she she's an amazing poet and mm-hmm. she's an amazing performance artist okay you know can really just get up on the stage and boom there's Great. her poem and uh, I knew her back in Chicago mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know during some hard times in my life She's a really good friend, and I reconnected with her because she does the artist way, mm-hmm. creative writing workshops. Right, right. So I've taken a couple few of them with her, right. and it made all these poems bubble out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I don't know if I was supposed to be writing prose or who knows, but right. I was just writing what I was writing. Right. And what was coming out was all kinds of poems. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a re surgeons mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the other reason I stopped was it was a little creepy because mm-hmm. I was writing poems and then an album would come out by Annie Lennox and she'd have half my lines in her song and I'm like what the heck <laughs> I'm like how in the world did she have that you know because I'm like that's creepy oh wow yeah nice. so I, I kind of got creeped out by it too yeah, yeah. you know so it's like are we like doing the same pocket or something? We're we getting our, <laughs> our inspiration from it. Might be. It's not, you, it's just, just weird. You might be vibing Annie Lennox, and so this is when she was becoming her a solo artist. Right? Oh, she was totally a solo artist, but it was like her. I think her first album out solo right. had half of my lyrics in it. Oh wow! Like like her lyrics were my poems. Wow! And I was wow. like, what? <laughs> you know, I mean, really strange imagery yeah, yeah, too yeah. was in it, and I was like, <laughs> the same muse touched both of you, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, but I have to admit, I was in my you know twenties, and I was creeped out by it because mm-hmm. I was like, that's just weird. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I showed to my friends, they're like, oh my god. Yeah. You know, because I wrote it like months before. You know? Right, 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 right. Wow. So that is. Very interesting. Yeah, because I sometimes I write poems and things will happen that are sort of what I saw in my poem, what I was writing about in my poem. Right, and, yeah. and it's very weird to have lines from your notebook being in a song mm. from someone who's in a different part of the country that you have no common friends. Right, right, right. And no one's read your poetry, so it's like, how yeah. can it be there? Yeah, and she was living at the U. Well, she she is uh, British, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she was living in the UK at the time? I forget where she was. But I don't know about you, but I'm drawn to singer-songwriters. Yeah, I like... I like that confession. Yeah, I mean, certain more folksy, right? In yeah. In many ways. Yeah, a lot of them yeah, are that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah they tell, they're more storytellers mm-hmm. than anything else, like um, Annie Lennox, for example. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so... 
they're they're not just your pop idols, not just churning out sweet. Yeah, nothings. it's almost like they're singing a poem. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Joni Mitchell. Yeah, you know uh-huh, uh-huh. that type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, Bob Dylan and yeah, yeah, Jefferson Brown. Mm. James Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, all these people who have stories to tell and then set them to gorgeous music. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And when I listen to music, I tend to not hear, or I think I don't hear the lyrics. But um, when I finally, you know, like if I go to karaoke or something, I finally look at the lyrics. I'm like, oh, this is what they're saying. And Oh, yeah, this is so typical of me to be attracted to the song. <laughs> so I feel like I would have no idea what the lines are, but I must have somehow subconsciously digested it. So I, I don't know what it is about it. Yeah, and, so, and with me, it's like, yeah, it has to have a good tune and a good hook, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I end up grabbing words. And it's like certain songs, certain words. Right, right. Like, you know, and, and you can, it's like it becomes a part of your history. Yeah. It's like I can actually literally look. Well, I'm sure you're the same. It's like you can look at your life at certain times and certain songs. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would attribute Night Moves would mm-hmm. be a song I would relate to Friends of Youth. Mm-hmm. Who's, the End who's of the Innocence. I would relate that to this because it's really the same topic saying mm-hmm, you know but they're written wait, by men that, instead that of women age of, uh, and then the age of innocence was bruce hornsby originally wrote it but then don henley sings it oh okay yeah I don't remember. yeah and then uh, night moves i don't know bob seger maybe oh, is okay I but i was thinking that on the way over here that those two songs really are men's take on what I'm talking about as right, a woman right, right. or a little, you know, girl. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, it kind of speaks to the universality of experience, right? I mean, that's why it resonated so much with what you wrote when you were reading it. Even if the listener didn't have the exact experience, it's more the feeling that it engenders in people, that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you never, you never want to be living, you know, backwards and forwards at the same time. Yeah, you know, yeah. but <clears throat> it just, it just kind of dawned on me that that it's kind of stuck in amber. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. that it's, it does exist. Yeah, you know, that's just, just this time that is frozen. Yeah, you know, that um, I was trying to just capture it. Right, right, you know, right. So that I could look in the amber sometimes. Right. It's almost like you you opened up a time capsule at mm-hmm. some point and yeah. you looked at it. And it felt like that when I was writing it. Oh, really? Oh, my God. I felt the same age. I was just writing uh-huh. this down just like... <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, besides your your best friend from, I, was it high school? Mm-hmm. The people that you were talking about that you added to Facebook that weren't your friends at that time... I don't know if you've spoken with them again, uh, and I don't know if they reacted to this. Everyone reacted to this one well, mm. you know, because it struck a chord. Right. You know, us baby boomer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, that's my age group, and mm-hmm. and it spoke to a simpler time, mm. you know, and I think I almost wrote it because 
of us being in such a hard time right now right. with the innocence of children is just being removed. Yeah. You know, yeah danger in the schoolyard, you know, danger yes. parkland shootings and stuff. So yeah. Yeah. That I just, I guess I needed to go back there and grab it while I could. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there is a resilience to childhood as well because... Recently, a few months back, I was at ASU listening to someone who has survived the Yugoslavian Wars. Oh, my gosh. And he had written this short story, incredibly poignant short story, based on his real-life experience. And he kind of talked about it. Whatever hardship you're living through, you're looking at it through the perspective of a child. And you don't quite understand how dangerous it is even though it it obviously informs who you are later on in life you know some of the phobias that that we end up having some of the stresses some of the uh, tender pain points that we that remain with us right it's from those very early i mean before this even before because this is more high school but still, you kind of look at it with the lens of a child because this is the world you're going into. So at that point, you don't really know any better. Mm-hmm. And you're still doing what a child does. So there is always an innocence to childhood, no matter what. Even it's horrendous from other people's perspectives. Exactly. I mean, and, and children find a way to laugh, even mm-hmm. in the worst circumstances. Yeah, They find a way to play. Mm-hmm. And they find a way to to create Mm -hmm. and if they can't have it in the real life then it's in their imagination yeah yeah you know yeah that's certainly true like if you've ever seen children of the holocaust their Mm -hmm. artwork and their stories and poems Mm -hmm. they're just all optimistic and beautiful and i mean so it's to me it's like amazing Mm -hmm. that you know these really the worst circumstances possible Mm -hmm. and the children were still fountain of optimism and just life and love and joy I haven't actually seen those are those in the Holocaust museums Uh, you can google it on the internet and then you can pull up some of the artwork and okay okay yeah I'll do that you know because it's like one person a woman that had come into one of the the concentration camps Mm -hmm. the only thing that she packed was art supplies Mm so that she could do art with the children. Mm. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, she didn't care about anything else. She was just like, I'm filling the suitcase with art Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so that they'll have something to do. Right, right. Yeah, it kind of makes you wonder right now we're in the times that we are in, and it kind of makes you wonder how people adjust it and how facing the most dire of situations, people still show resilience. Oh, that's true. That's universal, too. Right. It's across all generations. It's across the world. Yeah, exactly. But it's interesting because what I thought was, this is so Mm -hmm, low-tech. You know, this because my childhood is before Facebook. It's before, uh, you know, having a purse, a little computer that you can put in your pocket. (laughs) Right. You know, and... Even personal computers were... You know, you didn't even have mobile phones. Yeah. You know, we didn't have... The phone was attached to the wall in your kitchen, yeah, and your yeah. family was around hearing you talk on it. Right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, it was a really different place and time. So I'm kind of wondering what 
the imagery will be going forward from the interactions they have now, which are so very often screen time. Yeah. You know, and so this is all in person and yeah. interactive. Yeah, yeah. You know, human interaction. Yeah. But I thought that there was that a movie that came out called Eighth Grade. Okay. That I I have to say I thought it was starting to capture that. Mm-hmm. You know, just really the difference between our child and that childhood. Oh. When when did it come out? Oh, it came out in the last year. It okay. was just really exquisite. Okay. Because um, the actress that does it, the little girl, you know, the girl actress that does it is just right on okay. point, and she's translucent. So you really, she's like a poem, Uh you know, because you really can see every nuance and feel every feeling with Uh her, Uh and you're like, you're kind of wanting to save her, like, don't do that, oh my god, (laughs) you know, because you can see the writing on the wall because you're an adult. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But it was really dealing with the whole connected social media thingy. Yeah. And I thought it was done so well. Yeah, well, there, there was a movie that also came out last year, The Missing, whatever. It's, it's about a father trying to find his daughter after his wife had passed away. She sort of grew up in this environment of a broken home, but more taken by illness than anything else. But she was becoming a teenager, and she was having sort of like social issues because of her mother's death. And this was like the first movie that was strictly shot Entirely, all the scenes take place in social media. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. That I'm gonna have to see. Yeah, it was uh, with Deborah Messing, and I think that would give me something of a window because I I have wondered. It's not like I can go into somebody else and really, yeah, you know, what is yeah, this experience yeah. like? But I've always wondered because it's so different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like a luddite. I mean, I didn't have <laughs> even a cell phone until I moved to. Arizona in 98. Oh, wow. Okay. That was my first cell phone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, before I had to, like, run home. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, I didn't get one until it was really late as well. I can't remember when, but I was one kind of a holdout. <laughs> yeah, I think I was a holdout. That's probably the right way to describe it. I just couldn't see a reason for it. You uh-huh. know, now I, I can't live without it, so it's like, yeah, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Once you have change. it. Um, uh, but also changing from regular cell phones to smartphones, I was also a whole now because I don't like the fact that you know I have to carry something that's so big yet the screen is still it's never big enough, right? Right. And yet this you know especially for women, mm-hmm. it's difficult to find clothing that has deep enough pockets to put these. Yeah, I know. Things I always have to have a bag with me. Yeah, which is in. really annoying. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's like, I guess I could tie it on my arm or something, but it wouldn't look too good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll just roll it up in our sleeves like the old cigarettes, you know. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The with, packs, packs in there. Yeah. The, the, they're a bit heavier. It's, they'll just fall And you're out. always afraid it's going to drop and you'll crack your crystal yeah. screen. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Drop it in water. It's such an expensive toy. Yeah, it's it's become it's like a a dependent that I yeah. have to take care of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I love it because it kind of the first time I had a, a smartphone, which was relatively recent. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful because I had a map function, which meant that I could basically bike 
anywhere. I basically let myself get lost. I just took my bike out and just didn't and care where I was going. Go. Yeah, yeah. And I could see on the map where I was. And suddenly it kind of untethered me. It, I have the same thing because yeah. I'm horribly geographically clueless. Uh-huh. And I get in Chicago, even I used to get lost all the time. Mm-hmm. Like some a friend would say, you know, meet me on Wacker, and I'd be on Wabash, <laughs> you know, because it's like a W. Right. You know? right, right, <laughs> and, right, right. But it's like I can go anywhere now, and I've, mm-hmm. I've been able to just do little road trips, and right. and I just know I'll be able to go there, and I know I'll be able to get back. Yeah, yeah, you can sort of do these impromptu things. So it definitely has its, its advantages. Otherwise, it wouldn't have such a hold on us right no and then <laughs> i love you know looking things up like mm-hmm, i get mm-hmm. i get a thought and i'm like i can look it up now yeah and get my answer right away yeah exactly you and know instead of like you know i gotta write that down so then when i get home you know yeah yeah i, I feel like it it's made vocabulary learning uh, much easier for me and looking up information so that we don't let false beliefs kind of lodge in our heads if we don't want to we, we can just look it up and actually find exactly. good resources. I know, and I use it that way, too. Yeah. Debunk something immediately. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, but normally with me, it's like I just have this, you know, wild hair of a thought, mm-hmm. and then I, like, have to answer it immediately. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. And it's, you know, it's instantaneous gratification. There's my info, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely has that, that aspect to it. It's a lot, like... We feel like we have superpowers in some ways. Well, I, I love this comment. One of the uh, women that was at my reunion, mm-hmm. like she's a high-powered East Coast lawyer now, mm-hmm. you know. We were supposed to be meeting up with a group of people, and they just weren't there. And we're, and we're like, and she just like very dryly says, well, man, it's, it's almost like it, it would be great if we had this small computer that we could pull out of our pocket and look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's very little room for excuses now, right, because of that. Because and of I'm just like, oh, my God, you're just so funny. <laughs> and she is. She's, like, got the driest sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's probably a poet. Uh-huh. I'll have to find out. Yeah. I, I think she is. There's a lot of people who write poetry as a side thing or as a vehicle for personal expression. And you don't necessarily find out until you kind of accidentally stumble upon it, right? Right, or you find me at my first open mic, yeah, awkwardly exactly. saying my poem. Oh, it was such a great thing. It wasn't awkward at all. Nobody would have known. It was just beautiful. And also the, the poem kind of takes you away from the setting. It's, yeah. It was very... That's exactly kind of what I wanted to do is transport people yeah. to this mind space that I mentally heart spaced. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it was so heartfelt. It was so lovely. Yeah, I can't I can't get over it. <laughs> I, again, there's a lot of nostalgia and there's a lot of... Fantasy is not the right word because these are memories. At the same time, there's... But there's still some whimsy in it. Yeah. Because yeah. we were. We were like little... Magical fairy people when we were that age, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like we didn't need music. Mm-hmm, we, we could mm-hmm. just dance yeah, to yeah. the air, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, and to the stars. And, mm. you know, we just felt connected to mm-hmm. everything mm. and nothing. Mm. Yeah. You know? There's definitely, definitely that to it. And it's also to that sort of feeling that I, I responded with my poem, Gifts. It was written more in a moment where I felt like I didn't have any friends. 
even though there's a similarity of feeling. And also, it's, it's a poem that looks back at happier times as well. So I'm, I'm going to read that. Yeah. Morning. It's really beautiful. Oh, thank you. Gifts. He wants me to tell you that he's prepared some gifts for you. If you walk out late at night, you might see a misty fog. That'll remind you of the hamlets of London you once so loved. And when you return home, pay attention to those desiring tendrils reaching toward your door. And know that if you ever feel alone, those loving arms are there for you. Don't mistake the silence for desertion. Find in that the peace you seek. And he'll take away those who do not deserve your time. So don't fret, for you'll always make new and better friends. I really liked this poem a lot. Thank you. One, because you write without things having to rhyme. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been able to make things rhyme. (laughs) I just have my own cadence, and you do also. Yeah. And initially, when I was reading it, I felt the ghost of something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, with the misty fog, and and I could feel that it was something from behind you, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that it was like a ghost, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. trailing you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, But at the same time, whispering these secret things of how the future might be. Right. You know, that that you're going to not be alone and that Mm -hmm. you will have, you know, the people in your lives. Mm -hmm. And then I went a little further and I said, this is really about God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, God wants to tell you he's prepared some gifts for you Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever higher being you have. Yeah, yeah. That if you're walking and and you're reminded of this and that, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you're just so loved and that always you're, you're not ever deserted and alone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that you can have that peace. And I love the ending for you always make new and better friends. Yeah. Because that is true. Yeah. You know, that's one of those things that I wish we could tell our children and they believe us. Yeah. You know, they don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like every loss, every, you know, tragic breakup. Yeah. You know, is their world. Their yeah. entire world is broken. It's never going to be okay again. And yeah. I mean, in, in a way it is, right? Even for us adults, every time when there's a tragedy, it is whatever world we thought we had is broken. Yeah. And then we birth a new world from that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, did, I wrote this for myself to just kind of remind myself that there are other possibilities out there and the world is very large and... We never know what's going to come in the future. And, you know, to think of all the good possibilities that were out because because I wasn't sure what was going to happen at that moment. And it was a very, very lonely, heartbreaking experience. And and I don't know about you, but I collect home poems and home songs. Mm-hmm. Songs that are about coming home or... Oh, wow. about the home uh-huh, or whatever. Uh-huh. I don't know why I've done that my entire life. Uh-huh. But here you are returning home in here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. and it, and it, that to me is is the story of rebirth. Mm-hmm. Is that we're always returning home. Yeah. You know, that we're always come back to ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And home is ourselves rather than anything physical, right? Yeah. It's very much a mindset. Yeah, going back to this resilience again. It's mm-hmm. like the internal fortitude that we have to go back to it and say, well, the outside might be broken, but 
We can move on. We can move on from this. I like where you're using the desiring tendrils reaching towards your door. Oh, thank you. I mean, I can just see that. It's almost like I could see sweet peas or I could see mm -hmm. um, morning glories, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, just literally around the door frame. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're calling you in and they're saying, we want you. Right, right. Yeah, I, they're, I have no idea what plants they were, but they had these long stems that kind of reach out as if they're, and they're very tender. They're very, like, fragile looking. So, and I obviously was feeling very fragile. <laughs> so they really resonated with me. Was there a he that, that you were thinking of specifically? A guy or something? No, no, no. It's not a person. It's more a god-like thing. I'm, I'm not religious or, or I don't actually believe in, you know, especially an institutional kind of a god. Yeah, yeah, it's more it's divine more, being. Yeah, and not even I don't I don't know if I, something that's something I believe in either. It's just something that's bigger than myself, mm -hmm. kind of. In this poem, I wrote it as a very kind of can, canonical, uh, godlike, also using that gender pronoun too. Mm -hmm. Well, I figured that you were going with that towards mm -hmm. God, or that you had just had a terrible breakup. And you were capturing that feeling after, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And no, this was not about uh, like a romantic could, relationship. It really could yeah. almost be because, yeah. like, when a guy breaks up with you and they're trying to talk you into how you're going to be better off without them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. There, that that could be this too, you know. Yeah, yeah. But, there's definitely that aspect. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that interpretation of it, and it makes sense. But I, I think it's lovely that you bring us to London. You know, I was already saying that I can already see that you're much more worldly than I am, you know, because here you are describing the misty fog, you know, walking late at night in the hamlets of London. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never been in a hamlet. London is an interesting place because it's a very cosmopolitan place, and it's got, especially uh, before 2008, but even now, I imagine it's been a while, people all over the world go to it, partly because they had the empire, so their reach was worldwide, <laughs> and so there are a lot of people in quote-unquote coming home to London. Mm. So despite being such a cosmopolitan place, many of the neighborhoods in London just seems like little hamlets. They, they still retain some of the very quaint characteristics. London, the greater London, is, I feel like, built by a link of little hamlets. Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend it. I, I was very disappointed, actually, the first time I went to London because, uh, as I mentioned, that I grew up in New York. So New York is very tall, very dense urban jungle, whereas London is only parts of London now is tall like that, the financial district, whereas mm -hmm. the rest of London is quite squat. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of Georgian Georgian, whatever, architecture, that that period, I think it's the 1900s uh, or the 19th century. So they're relatively squat. So when I first went to London, I was like, this is it? You know? <laughs> it was really disappointing. But then this time that I'm nostalgic about is when I came to really appreciate it, really appreciate the quaintness of it. And also I was making a lot of friends, new friends from all over the world. And and I felt 
at home with them. Sort of like that feeling that your poem gives, that feeling of just happiness, being together and mm -hmm. accepting and, and going on adventures together, that mm -hmm. feeling. Because I had reached a point where I was being ostracized by another group of friends. I felt incredibly alone that I decided to recall London. Yeah, it sounds like there was a vulnerability where you allowed the city to embrace you mm -hmm. at the same time that it was embrace. You know, you were embracing it. Yeah, and and create a relationship. It's like I've been in Arizona since '98, and I still self tell people hey, I'm a Chicagoan. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, because it's like I got here and I was like, whoa, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, wide open sky, so blue yeah, in every direction, yeah, yeah. you know, and then yeah. when you think about being in the city and, and it's just a little square looking up yeah, where you can see some of the sky because the buildings <laughs> lucky, are, yeah. you know, so You're lucky vertical. you remember to look up. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know. Yeah. Amazing. There's so many people from Chicago. Yeah. yeah, it's because of the winners. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at, at the, by the time I was 38, I was like, this is it. I literally was doing, like, um, Scarlett O'Hara. Oh. I will never be cold again. <laughs> I was like, enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot to deal with, right? And your body is just, like, at some point, just feels beaten down by the weather. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, especially Chicago, because we get lakefront. Yeah, that's why I keep Snow, hearing. and it's just horrible. And I loved living on the lake because mm. you know, it's 50 yards off the water. And, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, that's that spring, view. summer, fall, but winter, that. forget it. It was just like sideways, wet <laughs> snow. Oh, my God. Never so cold in my life. Mm. Now that you're more free, have you thought about becoming like a snowbird? And go there back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, because I have friends there that I would love to see regularly. Right, right. But I've, I've got a horrible nesting instinct. Oh. Uh, it sounds like you're much more uh, portable, you know. And But I only just did my first international trip this year. Oh, where to? Costa Rica. Wow. I hear that's an amazing place. It is. It's yeah. like, it's it's kind of like that... Um, can't think of the movie, but you know the one with the blue people and that beautiful jungly. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Avatar. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Wow. Like and then insert you. Right, right, you know? right. I, I mean, I thought I was in some kind of fantasy. Wow. The brilliance of colors. Really. I mean, I mean, black sand. Mm. Never seen that before. Volcanic. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And it's cheap. Still? Yeah. The airfare was the same as if I went to Tennessee to see my family. Oh. Or I think it was only like $60 a night. Really? Right on the beach. Wow. Yes. So yeah, you, you can go. still find bargains there. That's good. That's really good to know. Because I thought it was over-touristed and becoming too expensive. But. It depends on where you go. I mean, okay. I was in Playa de Hermosa. Okay. And that's over by Haco Beach. Okay. The only downside is that I don't surf, so right. it really wasn't safe to go into the water because of rip tides. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. You have to be a, the world's strongest swimmer slash you know how to surf. Right. Or they don't really want you in the water. Okay. Because okay. it will just pull you out. Wow. Really strong waves. Wow. Wow. So it's more for looks. 
Yeah, it was more for looks than up to my <laughs> needs. I was allowed in up to my okay, needs. Okay, okay, okay. You know, but there was plenty to do and incredible amounts of wildlife. Yeah, yeah. There's supposed to be some, some of the most amazing orchid varieties in Costa Rica. Yeah, and all those bromeliads that you have at home, they actually grow there. What are they? Um, well, you know, the bromeliads, they, they go up like this, and they have like a bright, bright red, you know, flower, and... If you, when you water them, if the water goes into, like, leaf cups. Huh. Okay. They have them at the grocery store. Okay, I'm going to have to look them up. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, they're all over. And the orchids, you know, the bromeliads and the orchids grow right on the trees right there. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They must have amazing, like, tropical fruits as well. I think I had the best pineapple ever there. Really? I don't even think they... Get it there. I think they must also get it from Hawaii, but it was so fresh, right? right. You know that I couldn't believe it. It was so good. Mm. And yeah, they have some interesting fruits there that I did eat, and right. I was like, whoa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you go anywhere else, I always try to have the indigenous fruits, right? Because it's just kind of really brings the experience forefront into your senses, and. Obviously, the sightseeing and everything. I'm more into the people and the yeah, animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the combo. Of yeah. The people that live there and and the natural habitats. I mean, waterfalls, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. pools and pools of waterfalls. Uh-huh. I mean, that's crazy. Uh-huh. You know, just like what? <laughs> These morpho butterflies are like dinner plate size. Wow. Brilliant blue. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just sitting here going, this isn't really happening. No, this really is happening. <laughs> it isn't happening. Yes, it is happening. Because <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like a fantasy. Oh, wow. You know. It's so amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need to go. I need to go check it out. Oh. <laughs> wow. Wait, so do you have any plans for elsewhere now that you're untethered untethered well uh i actually am going to go back to costa rica because i have i haven't had my fill of it yet right 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 and i have uh, a group of women that i went with the last time and they want to go again so oh nice very nice that's going to be a nice immersion Uh uh to go and do that again right right. Um, but i'm really kind of thrilled that i have this passport Mm. You know, because that was my first passport and all the shots and everything. <laughs> and so I, I, like, have this passport and I feel like I could go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like the cell phone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, freeing uh-huh. me up. Yeah. And, and so now I'm having urges, like, oh, I could just go anywhere. Yeah, you could, you could work it from anywhere, which is nice. You know, you just have to get used to the time difference. It's, it's yeah. Small sacrifices. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> But, but I'm like, what? Work somewhere else when I could be exploring? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'd rather just go explore. Yeah, yeah. But it's really nice to have the option. Yeah, I never, I always was kind of like curious, and I loved everybody else's vacations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I never could picture myself doing it. Mm-hmm. Because I was always a stable right, person right, that right. everything moved around. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so now, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm finally moving my piece on the chessboard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't know, you, you were saying that you had friends that were, you know, ostracizing or whatever. Right. 
I understand. You know, I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting questioning looks like, oh my God, what is she doing? Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. And then shaking up, you know, all the people that Yeah. I mean sort of anytime you you are changing, right? Mm-hmm. The atmosphere, the people around you also changes. Yeah. You can't help it. It's it's you're just not the same person anymore and your needs are different and your yeah. needs of relating are different. Yeah, and but what you said, there will be new and better friends. Yeah, exactly. And that's what happens. Yeah. yeah. You, you just keep attracting people that are basically vibrating at the same level as you. Yeah. And those are the ones that want to be around you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that feed you and you feed them. Yeah, exactly. And then you're like, huh, okay, this works better for me. <laughs> yeah, and there, there are 5 million people here, so plenty to choose from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm actually even contemplating. I think I'm going to date. <laughs> Why not? It's about time. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. You have more time. So more options. Exactly. It's like I didn't have the time. I was just working way too much. It's good to take stock and decide which way to go. And before I let you go, I was wondering, since you heard all these things that are going on in terms of poetry, do you have any plans to read anywhere? I don't, but I, I was really thrilled when I listened. All these things are happening in May, and I was like, oh, my God, because I was floating around in my bathtub, and the list was endless. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get a pen. I'm going to have to start writing this down and get out there a little bit. Yeah, and, and, and the funny thing is that this particular week, which I, I announced from last week's episodes, there wasn't that much. This is not considered a very full week, even though there is everything. <laughs> there is something every day, right? Yeah. At least one thing every day. There are just some days, dates, I don't know why people just congregate around. It's like a maple. It's really strange. But, you know, I, I prefer the more steady, spread out, because then poets have more venues to go to to express themselves. Well, and you have to have space. I mean, the whole thing with poetry is you have to give it space to be creative. Yeah, yeah. And if you're expressing, you know, you're not spending as much time channeling it onto the page. Yeah, yeah. And so it has to be not a balance, but a flow. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. both. Yeah. You know, where it's... Yeah, I feel like that as well. And for me as well, because the podcasts take up so much of my time, I uh, like going to events because they always inspire me to write. Because I listen to other people's words and I'm just like, feel I feel really energized. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I need to put something down. I, I just, yeah, I invariably write something coming out of some open mic. I usually come out and write something. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed the um, one thing I did get from the Artist Way, um, you know, creative classes was mm-hmm. I can write anything to a prompt mm, if you give me nice. a prompt I will just write it that's great but I'm like why do I just write things regularly mm-hmm. you know, why am I not inspired right you right, know right. just by life to just immediately because mm, mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was in the 90s mm-hmm. there wasn't anything that I was experiencing that it didn't end up on paper in one way or another right 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 you know but now it's like I'm more just in it Mm. You know, and not really having to comment on it. Right, right, right. You know, and then occasionally I get hit with the urge, like, oh, my God, I have to stop because, you know, 
Uh-huh. It's like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. But I was inspired enough by the open mic to say, okay, I'll read a poem. Yeah. 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 Infuse is very good. And, and you felt it. It's very welcoming. Yeah. I knew I'd be really safe there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But I also felt like that's not something I've done before. And let's get out of my comfort zone. Yeah. You know, because it's like I just write them and then post them or something or mm. give it to someone. Right. You know, and it was like really kind of owning it. Mm-hmm. Like, this is my writing and it's coming out of my mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The atmosphere for Infuse is very welcoming. At the same time, it is a real stage and there is a spotlight and that can be very distracting. But I'm, I'm glad you read and I'm glad... We have it now recorded officially, and <laughs> more people can listen to it and be inspired. Well, I hope it inspires someone who hasn't read to get up and just do it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, you know, if I'm at 57 doing my first open mic, you can do it. Yeah, it's never too late to have your first experience. Exactly. Yeah, especially the good experiences. Yeah. So where can we follow you you say you have facebook i don't know if you want to give that out or i don't know what other social media you have that you want people to link to you so they can see more of your writing that's so funny um (laughs) because what here's what's so interesting about it is literally right before that open mic Uh i had been telling my writing teacher i really just don't see my writing going anywhere i don't know why i'm writing (laughs) (laughs) And so I was just kind of like going to put it to the side and mm-hmm, just focus mm-hmm. on other things I do, like right, right. make jewelry and mm-hmm. use glass and and other, you know, right. venues. Right. And then the open mic and then you after, and I'm like, okay, universe, I guess I'm supposed to keep writing. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, people can link to me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I'm the only Alice Brown, which is all is. The spelling. Uh-huh. I thought I should marry someone named Well, and then I'd be always well. Oh, that's nice. You wouldn't that be good? Yes, Instead, yes. I'm always brown. <laughs> always <laughs> brown. That reminds me of Mamas and the Papas. That's funny. California dreaming. I don't know. All the world is brown, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's why. <laughs> oh, that's right. right. Yeah. See, you do remember lyrics. Well, that's because I, I try to sing it. I really love that song. Mm-hmm. California Dreaming is a beautiful song, as as the entire album, whose name I don't remember. Yeah, I just I love the Mamas and the Papas. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, well, they're yeah. definitely my you know Pandora. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Ma- Mama Cass, her, oh, her voice, voice. Mm-hmm. it's like an angel. It's so rich. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, it's so gorgeous. I think we're gonna end it on that note. If you. When mind sending me the link, I will put it in the episode notes so people can link Aww. to it directly. And thank you very much for your time. You are welcome. It's really great. I'm glad to hear that. As always, you can follow us on poetsandmuses.com via Instagram, SoundCloud, or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.